This week, you think we're going to swim all the way to Atlanta? We hate the water. And the movie Cyborg. This is Body Counts and Beer. Welcome to another edition of Body Counts and Beer. I'm Mark Rosenthal. I'm Patrick Bromley. Uh, I'm John Rooney. Somebody had to. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, you'll get it soon. (laughs) This week we are discussing the 1989 Canon Films Group absolute stone cold classic, Cyborg. What movie? Who's in it? Cyborg! And who's in it? People! That's right, from the director of the shitty 80s Captain America movie and the star of last week's Street Fighter comes Cyborg, a movie not really about a cyborg at all. A movie that officially legally qualifies as... A feature-length film. Does it? It's only like 86 minutes. That's the magic number. (laughs) Wrong. 82 minutes. (laughs) Now, uh, Cyborg, just to give you a quick little bit of background on this film, uh, was a Canon Film Group's release. The reason for its... The sole reason for its existence is that the Canon Films Group had obtained the rights to the Masters of the Universe franchise... He-Man, Skeletor, Whatnot. They made a movie. Oh, while Whatnot's my favorite. I love Whatnot. <laughs> Whatnot's so my favorite guy, right? Yeah, no, he's the it best. It goes Whatnot, Snarf, uh, Skeletor. <laughs> Snarf is Thundercats. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's my favorite He-Man <laughs> character. Valid. Uh, so basically, they were making this movie. While they were so convinced of the success of Masters of the Universe, they quickly went into pre-production on Masters of the Universe 2 and Spider-Man. They had the rights to Spider-Man. However, Masters of the Universe failed miserably, and so with no longer having the money to make those two blockbusters, they were like, hey, what can we do with all those crap we built and these costumes we made in like three weeks? And the answer is Cyborg. <laughs> Cyborg. The answer is the best we can. Well, that's the thing. Like this movie took twenty three days to make, but I love that it comes from a film company who had the like the wherewithal to start pre production on two other movies before the first one was even out. Yeah, wherewithal so, or hubris. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you get that Queen soundtrack for Masters of the Universe, and you are just on your way to gold. Yeah, I mean, it was Wait, a good what? soundtrack. Didn't Queen do the music for Masters of the Universe? No, they did the music for uh, uh, Highlander and for Flash. Ah, uh, yeah, Masters of the Universe. All right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, directed so... by Shane Black. Sure, why not? <laughs> it wasn't then directed by Shane Black. <laughs> That's why it happens at Christmas. So Cyborg begins like all movies do. With a very creepy man screaming into a microphone. <laughs> yeah. It's the future. And a plague has hit mankind and decimated our ranks. But that's okay because the narrator lets us know he likes the death. He likes this world. He wants to own it. He likes it, Mikey. He likes it. Also, also, <laughs> It should be pointed out that I'd say a good 45% of the dialogue in this movie is just, <laughs> Now, this is not like, oh, you know, these are all the grunts and hits of the fight scene. No, these are actual dialogue yeah, exchanges. Yeah, no, yeah, there's that scene Screams are guys... answered by screams. Yeah. Grunts to grunts. <laughs> funk to funky. <laughs> Everybody starts all of their single combat battles with lots of yelling. And running and, and running. yelling whilst running. Yeah. Yeah, everyone in this movie is out of breath because they can't stop yelling while running. Yeah. So the movie uh, kind of starts proper. We find out there's this, the titular cyborg has data in her head that uh, they're going to take to Atlanta, Georgia, which is the last vestiges of humanity, and they're working on a cure for the plague. However, they're being tracked down by pirates. What kind of pirates? Not the kind of pirates you expect, in the sense that they do not resemble pirates, nor speak like pirates, nor ride the water like pirates. Yeah. 
They mostly just uh, pillage and destroy things. Yeah, they're walking pirates. Yeah. <laughs> they don't really seem to take much stuff. They just, like, rack places and kill people. Yeah, they basically just set things on fire and yeah. punch people to death. Yeah. Yeah, because the beginning of the movie, we got the cyborg lady, and she's got her mission partner there with this, like, incredible Patrick Duffy head of hair. Yeah. Uh, and he's just immediately beset by, like, all the goons. And he does the, the go-to combat strategy in this film, which is slowly walk backwards. <laughs> While everyone walks slowly towards. Right. Until someone leaps from a window behind him, <laughs> where he's promptly punched to death by eight people. Yeah, yeah. Until our villain shows up. Our villain, Fender Tremolo. Uh, it should be noted that most of the named characters in this movie have names that are based off of instrument manufacturers. So the villain's name is Fender Tremolo. Our hero who we'll meet soon is Gibson Rickenbacker. Uh, and, and a bunch of other stupid shit that somebody thought was yeah. cool. Well, they kicked a typewriter down a flight of stairs and just kept the collection of vowels <laughs> and consonants. <laughs> I like to think it was written by a guy who worked at Guitar Center on a yeah, break. That's what I'm thinking, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember as in, like, high school I was writing some stupid thing for a creative writing course, and I couldn't think of a name. Fortunately, the stapler Stanley Bostwick was right on my desk. <laughs> That'll help you. <laughs> oh, excuse the jingling. That's me opening another beer. I need it. Uh, no, that's the Foley from the film. <laughs> yeah. The main bad guy has a... a, 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 a Chainmail? It's Chainmail-ish. But it's like a cape? Yeah. But he like wears it on his front? It looks... It's a tunic, because it goes on the back, too. Yeah. But it looks like it's made out of, like, pop tabs. Sure, yeah. Right. And every time he moves, this is what you hear for minutes on end. Yeah. And it's interminable. Yeah. Much like the rest of this film. <laughs> it's pretty rough. I'm not going to lie. We we set out to wash the bad taste out of our mouths from Street Fighter Van Damme. And it said, instead just got a dirtier, fouler taste in our mouths. Yeah. Uh, no amount of Listerine will defeat this. We're going to have to do the nuclear option, which is just mouth transplant, I think. Definitely. At this point, what else, what other hope do we have? I don't know. <laughs> is there hope left in this world, Patrick? Yeah, we got children in bars. Yeah, children in bars. Though that means we can't. That was one of the characters who was just like, I still have hope for this world. Look at me. I got kids and a bar. He does. <laughs> he has those things, people. That's true. Uh, and so uh, Fender Tremolo basically says his line of dialogue from the opening narration again. He likes the death. He likes the misery. He likes this world. He wants to own it. Rawr! Rawr. And then they chase down the, uh... Oh, no. And that w then the movie all of a sudden smash cuts to fire. <laughs> and the opening title sequence. Yes, an explosion happening in the vacuum of space. Yes. Uh, sorry, Jean-Claude Van Damme. He is our hero. Cyborg. Cut to... His cyborg and Van Damme chasing her and beating guys up. Yeah, this movie has the plot structure of when you didn't read the book for your oral book report. Right. And you just yeah. got and then uh Huckleberry uh painted a fence, well, I think. That's like the thing, like she's getting accosted by pirates, I guess we're calling them, and yeah, uh, foot pirates. Foot pirates. And he like beats the crap out of three or four of them and leaves her there. He's like, Okay, you're safe now, guess I'm gonna go on back to whatever I was doing. Well he gets shot through a door, I think. Yeah, he gets he gets like shot with like a... Air? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's right, because then they throw him through the door frame and it collapses on top of him. Right? Yeah. All of the guns seem to be like the 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 handle of a pistol and the muzzle of a minigun. Yes. Yes, agreed. <laughs> and they're all powered by like those uh, those gas canisters that you use to race cars in shop class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, compressed CO2 and hope. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Firing whatever through these weird little uh, minigun, four-barrel, revolving rifle things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, this movie is made from the the, the dismembered guts of two other movies. <laughs> Clearly the Spider-Man movie they had in mind had a bunch of sweet pistol miniguns. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, so that house they keep flashing back to is definitely the, quote, house in Queens where Spider-Man grows up. Right. Yeah, right. It's got like a farm and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and those, a well. And a well. Yeah, that, all a that, fatal well. Yeah. All that lush greenery in yeah. Queens. Right. 
So uh, uh, the cyborg is taken by uh, uh, Fender Tremolo. He's going to take her to Atlanta himself so he can get his own fists on the cure and stop them from getting it out so the world can continue to be full of death and misery because he likes it and he wants ah! That's a 100% direct translation quote from the film. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, our hero Jean-Claude Van Damme as Gibson Reckenbacher punches his way out of a pile of debris for no reason. But, man, wouldn't it look cool if we saw a vague shape move out of a dusty hole <laughs> and uh, finds his way out into the wasteland where he's accosted by a lady who I don't recall ever getting her name, but I know from no. the credits it's Nady. Oh, nice, um, Nady. She tries to kill him. Now, well, no. now, let's, you can't, let's, you can't let's... name your character Lady. All right, fine. Nady. <laughs> Deal. No, accosted by, because first, he like, as far as we know, rolls up to the warehouse that she's sleeping in, sits down next to her, and then starts sharpening his bowie knife and having flashbacks to his former life. Yes, yeah, sharpening his bo- his big old knife, knife sharpening in this movie. Is a big thing. Yeah, it takes happens. up about like 10 15% of the yeah. running. Well, it yeah. is like the equivalent of seeing a tea ceremony. It is all in the subtlety of movement. Yeah, but it happens as frequently as people smoke in Humphrey Bogart movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he he sits down in a warehouse and just starts sharpening his knives, and he has flashbacks to his early career when he was a slinger. What slingers are, we don't know. It's never explained. Yeah, we're never told. <laughs> but but they, he is one. They get people out of the city. And they're paid in canned goods. What city we're currently in? Hoboken. I don't think that's actually true. I know. There's a sign for it. Yeah. Is there a sign we're in Hoboken? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nice. They walk from Hoboken to Atlanta in like two days. No worry. No reason. No. no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. For Patrick, this is a bridge too far. (laughs) It all makes so much sense now that I understand that it starts in New Jersey. Yeah. (laughs) Just really coming together for me. Yeah, guys. got it. So, uh, yeah, he, while he stares at a woman who's half asleep, half staring at him, he has n- night terror flashbacks of his old life where he saved a woman and brought her to this beautiful country house and bad things started to happen. Meanwhile, Nady uh, tries to kill uh, uh, Gibson Rickenbacker by picking up a stick. It's a shivish yeah. kind of thing. Shivish. Yeah. Shivish. I don't roll on shivish. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes to work on shivish. No. <laughs> but uh, he foils this assassination attempt by looking at the stick. Yeah. Yep. He looked at her. He took off her blanket. He looked at the stick. He looked at her some more. Gave her a look that was just like, I'm not mad, just disappointed. Yep. And then walked away. Yeah. Yep. Then she chases after him. And well, because she... she realized now that she can't live without him. Yeah. It's not until you see what you have leaving that you truly understand She's its value. She's been waiting her whole life to meet a man she didn't have to shiv. <laughs> <laughs> so she chases after him, and she's like, Hey, I know I just almost killed you, but I'm going to come with you on your trip to Atlanta because I saw where the cyborg lady's going. And now, not only did she not see where the cyborg lady is going... She also does not know that that lady is a cyborg, and furthermore, has no idea what her mission is. But for plot reasons, she saw the cyborg, knows it's a cyborg, and knows somehow that it has data for the cure. She read it in the Pirate Gazette. Sure. (laughs) They printed up in the evening edition, Boss Caught Cyborg Headed to Atlanta. (laughs) I don't know. Yar, extra, extra, (laughs) new edition. Act like caught in love nest with Nanny. (laughs) Garner disappointed. It's got another great column about what's the best whetstone. (laughs) You're going to want to read what Andy Rooney has to say about salted pretzels in this edition. (laughs) And then the next one. Dear Snyders, (laughs) I don't like that you use giant grains of salt and not regular table salt. What's the deal? Why doesn't the salt come separate so that I can decide? I didn't know you guys were such 60 Minutes enthusiasts. Oh, who couldn't be? I mean, Andy Rooney is a paragon of virtue. He sure is. The likes of which this world has never seen. Before or since. 
Guys, do you think uh, Andy Rooney is just Mickey Rooney in a mask? <laughs> Are they even related? Because that always got to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and maybe maybe they're also re- related to Dan Rooney, the owner of the fucking Steelers. Who yeah. knows? Sure. All those Rooneys. <laughs> hey, I've gotten some of Dan Rooney's mail. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> John Rooney, are you are you related to Dan Rooney, Mickey Rooney, or Andy Rooney? Let me answer that by runs fast, leaves dust cloud in the shape of me. Oh man! Hey, John's dust cloud. Can you tell us if John's related to Andy, Mickey, or Dan Rooney? Also, could you get us some steel? Nah, forget it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so so uh, uh, they, uh, Nady and 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 Gibson. They team up uh, reluctantly and kind of wander off into the wasteland and take the shortcut to Charleston to get ahead of Fender Tremolo, who at this point has gone through a your typical medieval burning of the village yeah. scene, uh, which is apparently on a wedding day because they burn a cake topper and then steal a boat because, as Fender Tremolo says, I can't swim. Yeah, he can't. Which just doesn't... Did, so it's boat didn't time. Didn't you already have a boat to be a pirate? No, they're foot pirates. We've been over this. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Then yeah. they get a boat, and they become regular pirates. At least until they get off the boat. And then they go back to foot pirates. Yeah. Okay, Though, I understand. you do briefly, after you get off the boat, for a little while, you're a buccaneer. Sure. But if you stay off the boat for sure. too long... Buccaneer is that time between uh, when you're on the dock, but you're not technically on dry land yet. Right, right. Where the rules don't apply. You do still have to be wearing your sword. (laughs) You take the sword off on the dock, you're practically just a tourist. (laughs) Pirate rules, guys. Boy, that makes about as much sense as this fucking movie does. (laughs) And by the way, please tune in to Patrick Bromley's spinoff podcast, Pirate Rules with Patrick Bromley. (laughs) I'll tell you all the best ways to stay safe on the high seas. (laughs) Like, don't go. (laughs) Get a boat with a motor. (laughs) So uh, they maraud this town and take off on this boat. Meanwhile, uh, Gibson and Nady walk... Walk. On foot. That must be emphasized. Walk. On foot from Hoboken to Charleston in, I don't know, three, four hours? Yeah, we know that it's hours. faster than it takes a boat to sail there. Well, I mean, somebody at some point in 1988 was doing a lot of cocaine and was like, so how long does it take to get from Hoboken to Charleston? I don't know. It only takes me about three minutes to get out of the White Hen Pantry, get a Coke, and then come back. That's all it takes me. So I figured, right, just turn that around. People be like, oh, two, three hours, right? That's about it, right? Right, 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 right. And then we went to the next scene. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've been to the beach, so I know that the waves push you inland, so the boat's going to be fighting against that the whole time. Let's going to slow him down. So the next scene is is Gibson uh, continuing to have flashbacks. Uh, we've No, let's take a second. They get to the beach, and then, inexplicably, Nady takes off all of her clothes, and this movie gets an extra star. <laughs> Yeah, she, out of nowhere, they get to the beach, she doffs her clothes, runs into the water, uh, her, her, her bare behind uh, showing uh, in the moonlight, and then cut to them sitting on the beach, and she's just like, already just like, oh, we had a great time, and you know, I can help you, and he's like, flashback, oh no, my family got killed by Gibson... By, by Fender whatever guitar man killed my family and she's just like oh yeah how about boobs <laughs> and, and then just like, like I'm trying to have a moment here yeah she just lowers her blanket very slowly to reveal her, her heaving bosoms and then he with a look of partial I would say concern and still arousal because it is sure. Van Damme yeah. yeah and he can't help but be aroused always by anything that remotely looks like boobs. Sure. Like softballs, grapefruit, uh, anything is circular. <laughs> he leans forward and you think, oh, all right, movie's going to give us a sex scene. And instead he very gentlemanly, very chivalrously closes her blanket 
I would say it also feels just a little condescending. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, honey, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Let me make the decisions in this relationship. Yeah. But to be fair, it's mostly so you can lean back and flash back to, I can only assume, a better sex scene. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, remember that lady I moved into that farmhouse with? We totally banged. And then as soon as we were done in the afterglow, <laughs> who's there staring at us through the window? Like but, a scene from fucking Animal House. So all of Weird. All the pirates are lined up. It's lined up at the window, looking in at them sleeping. <laughs> Big smiles on their face because they saw the whole thing. I assume they Statler and Waldorfed it too. Sure, yeah. yeah. You call that? A, I haven't seen a stroke like that since my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, guys, uh, talking through this movie, I am learning so much more about its storyline and plot than I did watching it. (laughs) So many things that you're saying, I just like, oh, that's what that scene was about. And the podcast is going to benefit from where we don't replay the uh, flashbacks several times. That's right. So in this next flashback he has... Uh, <laughs> no, uh, so after they leave the beach, they end up in some weird, like, Blade well, Runner town. Before that, we get an interstitial shot of slow pan across the uh, lower decks of the pirate ship. That's as right. each member of the pirate crew are individually sharpening their knives against whetstones, presumably each of them having their own flashbacks to how they ended <laughs> up as pirates. Mm-hmm. But oh boy, it just goes on and on. It's a yeah. solid minute and a half long Dark tracking shot. Knife shot. Of like 30 dudes sharpening. Dudes and ladies. Yeah, dudes and ladies. I should say, there are several women in the employ of the in the pirate company, and I appreciate that. Yeah, there's dudes, ladies, there's dudes look like a ladies. Yeah. And they're all got knives. And they're all (laughs) sharpening those knives. They're just sharpening the shit out of those (laughs) knives, guys. Except for those two people who clearly just fucked. Yeah, there are also just a a naked man and a woman just like lying out covered in. KY muscle and or boob grease. Yeah. Um, <laughs> KY boob grease. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that KY Ladies, was branching out. They do. They also have KY boob glitter. Cool. Yeah, yeah that's a very 80s thing. Of course. Super yeah. badass. They use it a lot in Mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mannequin. Yeah, Mannequin was made because of all the surplus glitter that they had. Correct. They were like, well, we're making a movie around this. Yeah, all the surplus glitter and surplus Kim Cattrall's. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's like that uh, famous Robert Rodriguez quote where he had a guitar case, a turtle, and a gun, so he knew those things had to be in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, they had boob glitter, Kim Cattrall, and a song from, from Starship, so they were like, that's our movie. Yep. Mannequin. <laughs> Nothing's gonna stop us now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we cut back to this. Now, For some, they're in some weird like Blade Runner type city. Um, well, no, they keep it's showing... just an abandoned pump station. <laughs> but they keep showing the same footage of a small child bouncing a ball in an alleyway. Just over and over again. Keep cutting back to it. Uh, Gibson runs into a, a friend of his who's just like, I got everything I need. I got kids. I got a bar. That's it. It's, That's my inspirational talk to you. Well, it seems like Gibson is there to get information, but he never asks for nor receives any kind of information. <laughs> the only information he gets is information he already has, which is, Fender's going to Atlanta by boat. Yeah, yeah. this movie is terrified that you're going to forget that we're building up to that <laughs> sweet, sweet Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. They're going to go to the Coke Museum. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) They're going to get to try all the different flavors of Coke. From around the world. Coke. New Coke. Coke Zero. Coke Lime. Coke Two. Cherry Coke. Vanilla Coke. Coke Coke with Lemon. Coke Twist. Vanilla Coke. Coke uh, Cola. That's it. Yeah, Yeah, that's most of them. We got any other Cokes? Anyone got any Coke? There's like a Pepito that they sell in South Africa or something. That can't be right. A Pepito? I think so. I think there's a picture of it on my can phone you d- Can you define Pepito for me? No, I can't. Oh, okay. the label that I saw on a Coke from the Museum of Cokes. <laughs> <laughs> I assume it's just a bunch of pictures of fucking Santa Claus and polar bears and shit, too. You think so, but it really starts off right. It starts in the Mesozoic era where we have our... <laughs> Our yeah. our fossilized Coca Cola, proto Cokes. If you, you can will. you can watch the you can well. There's really there's two branches of the museum. There's the evolution of Coke, and then there's the divine creation of Coke. <laughs> yeah, because they really want to teach the controversy. Definitely, <laughs> and you know they want to let everybody in. 
on everything. Give There's me... a big label that says the evolution of Coke is still just a theory. <laughs> <laughs> New Coke was created by the devil to trick you. <laughs> that that would explain why it was advertised by Bill Cosby. Oh, Ooh. that man's a gross sex criminal oh, now. Oh, <laughs> Jello's going to have to do so much work to get out from under that. Uh, yes, I think they did that work by ceasing to exist. <laughs> Jello still exists. Yeah. Why they just don't make Jell-O pudding all pops. The time? They just went back to just making regular pudding and Jello. Okay, but no more, no more pudding pops. No more frozen pudding, sure. which is frankly a shame because Jello pudding pops were the best. Yeah. yeah, they were so good. Jello pudding's pretty great. Yeah, Meh. you guys want to just go get some pudding? Yeah, kind of. I mean, oh, this, this podcast really ain't going Come on, anywhere. We don't have much left, can we? No, because literally <laughs> what happens next is they meet up at the shell of a building that I still can't figure out if it was a Spider-Man set or a Masters of the Universe True, 2 set. Right, the big shell of the building. Yeah, and set, yeah. what follows from there is like this interminably long, interminably long action sequence. And it's the first action we've had since the beginning of the movie, and it's just Van Damme. You know what? I'm going to have to challenge you there for a second. I don't think this was an action movie. I think this was a slow motion running towards each other scene that was punctuated by (laughs) slow bursts of the same shot of a kick repeated over and over. Yes, that's true. There's a lot of kick and punch and fighting. This is where we first get our first couple of deaths. Catwalks and stairs and other kinds of weird industrial ladders. Yeah, a lot of guys getting thrown off a building. We learned that Van Damme... Has, dummies uh, and then back into their yeah. bodies when they hit the ground. Van Damme has a knife in his shoe. Yeah, he does. He's got a boot knife. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. He like the, uh, the, well, the first three guys he kills, he kills by taking their knives from him and then killing them with their own knives. Yeah. Well, they're always wielding like twelve knives, so they're just covered in random sure. knives. Well, he's also got that like the knife that's like embedded in his shoe, like fucking uh, vicious and cowboy bebop. He yeah. just like clicks his heel and the knife shoots out. Yeah. Or uh, the kid from Kingsman. He's got one of those too. Oh yeah. Fancy. Yeah. But he's got the he's got the kick knife. And, you know, he uses it to good use and kick knives a couple people. And this whole scene is, it's incomprehensible, too, because there's no sense of, like, spatial awareness or where they are. He's just punching the shit out of goons who never stop Never stop. They yeah. never stop coming. There are twenty goons with uh, tremolo at all times. No matter how many of them have just died, they will just be replaced by other goons. Yeah, dude, it's the spawning monster closet. They don't stop until you get they to the checkpoint. They have a spawner. That's yeah. the thing. It's just like gauntlet. Oh, yeah. exactly. Meat constantly. Meat. I mean, it's great for farming. Whoa, that Gibson sweet. shot the meat. <laughs> <laughs> great for farming that XP, but yeah, otherwise... Yeah, for sure. I mean, by the time he finishes this building, he's gotta go up at least two levels. Oh, yeah, totally. He's probably getting an ability score increase from that. Well, right. but it's that fucking irritating level system where you gotta go sleep at an inn before you can start spending your points. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does, because after this... Oh, they... no, fuck, no. He can't spend his points until he flashes back. That's why yeah, there's so many. That's, that's right. So he fights his way out of this building. He does have a brief uh, standoff with, with Fender... Uh, but Fender kind of just beats the shit out of him after shooting him. After shooting him with an a- with a BB gun. Yeah, basically. Well, one of those weird little. It's like an air, air rifle. Things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He shoots him with an air rifle, and he's like, ah! And then they fight for a little bit. He gets his ass punched to shit uh, by Fem- Fender. Then he uh, somehow escapes, and then he meets up with the cyborg again, and he's like, "Come with me." And she's like, "Nah, you're too much of a pussy to get me to Atlanta." Yeah. See ya. Wouldn't want to be, uh... <laughs> she just abandons him there, and then he carries Nady with him, who got knocked out. He takes her into the sewer. Into yeah, the, the sewer. sewer level. And then we have him just trudging through the sewers for a couple minutes, while goon after goon after <laughs> goon runs... <laughs> so up to chase. the sewer, looks down it, and then... Discards their weapon, yeah. and then climbs down. Well, Stick no fit! <laughs> to be fair, the first one has a knife. That's okay. They're able to go down. The second one's a lady. She's got a stick. She's like, stick no fit, toss it to the side. The third guy comes, and he's got a stick, but he's evolved, and he's seen... Wait, if I just turn the stick vertically... You can fit down the hole. It fits in this hole. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then yeah. five more goons afterwards. Yeah. All of them running... All, all of them, them screaming. Yelling. All yeah. running, all screaming, all the time. Uh, and then this is where we get my the absolute, my favorite shot of the movie. It's pure genius. 
There's a, a goon, sort of the lead goon is right behind Gibson, kind of stalking his way through the, the sword. It's all dark and blue. And very slowly we get to see, like, kind of backlit Van Damme very slowly lifting his arms, raising his knife, until we get the wide shot and we see that he is doing the splits, perched atop two convenient outcroppings in the wall of the sewer, and then drops a knife right down to the fucking face of this guy. And it's now, great. this was heartbreaking to me, because that goon so far had been my favorite character. <laughs> because in order to show that he is covering distance and is running, they keep cutting to just like a medium profile shot of him making pretend like he's on a horse and doing a gallop motion. Like, this was clearly Masters of the Universe and they were going to put the horse in and post. Right. But it wasn't going to be a horse. It was going to be, like, Battle Cat. Sure. Whatever. That's the name of He-Man's giant cat. Battle Cat. Sure. Yeah, you know, like Mumra, my favorite He-Man character. <laughs> no! <laughs> Mumra didn't ride cats, he fought cat people. <laughs> Do you know what fighting cat people's like? It's like putting out fire with gasoline, John. <laughs> <laughs> See these eyes so green? <laughs> That's right. I took it all the way around to cat people and David Bowie. That's You're it. welcome. <laughs> That's Moving our on. second Bowie reference <laughs> in the podcast. All right, well, moving on. Uh, eventually, uh, Gibson and Nady get out of the sewer and then start running through a fucking swamp because now they're yeah. in the Everglades they or something. Exited, it's they not exited so much... the sewer into a field in the middle of nowhere. Well, the field is clearly an off-ramp from the freeway. <laughs> it's got that drainage pipe in it, and it's just everything is flat, and it's kind of overgrown, but, like, not on purpose. Yeah, well, it's one of those, it's kind of one of those things where, like, that's endangered prairie grass, they're not allowed to cut it. Sure, <laughs> okay. So they're being chased through the endangered prairie grass swamp, uh, and again, everyone's running through, like, knee-high water, screaming, yelling, yelling running, grunting. running, screaming, grunting, yelling. And when they meet think... for a fight, they scream at each other first. Yeah, and grunt. Yeah, and at this point now, Gibson is clearly... Very tired and wounded, but he fights as hard as he can. Uh, and he takes out a bunch more goons, but eventually Fender gets the best of him and beats the fuck out of him. Beats onto the shit out of him. Punches him like 50 times onto, for some reason, a derelict pirate ship yeah, that's yeah. just there. Sure, yeah. Cut to him being crucified on the pirate ship. Yeah, Gibson, oh, well, skipping, crucified over, like Jesus uh, to the, the mast of the pirate ship. We're skipping over uh, Nady's moment of triumph, where she is fighting one of the, the lady pirates. Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, she disarms the lady pirate, quite literally, by slicing off the pirate's hand, yep. stabbing the pirate in the chest, and as the pirate is falling down, the pirate hits her with her stump. Yeah. Knocking Nady out. The old stump death flail. Yeah, yep. off, man. And then Nadia is not seen for like ten minutes yeah, while Van Damme was chased and screamed at. Yeah. While well, what she didn't say is that that stump had the uh, sleep attribute because uh, she was wearing the uh, the elemental plus effect material on her arm. <laughs> right. Got it. Right. And she had junctioned some sleep spells to it. Definitely. Oh, okay. There you know, are. like your Magitek armors. Anyone who knows anything about Final Fantasy is furious. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. You know, they were rescuing them princesses from the elemental orbs. <laughs> I'm very upset, John. <laughs> they were riding the chocobo onto an airship, you know? No! Why would you do that, John? <laughs> chocobo land animal. Airship air animal. They were they were breeding a gold chocobo to get that chocobo hot and cold game going so that they could get the Zodiac Spear. What are you talking about? <laughs> You're a goddamn monster, John! I'm so enraged. Get out of here and go play four Blitzball minigames. That's your punishment. <laughs> oh, no. Uh. It's incomprehensible and boring. <laughs> yeah, and then go listen to fucking Bender from Futurana do a borderline racist Jamaican <laughs> accent. Thanks, Final Fantasy X. Other than that, you're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Gibson, uh, while he's being crucified, looks down at uh, uh, Fender's band, and he notices one of uh, the people in his cadre is the sister of the lady who he saved and put on that farm and had sex with. Yeah. And now she is part of his crew. Mm -hmm. And then they leave him there. And while he's on the cross, much like Jesus, our Lord and Savior, he flashes 
all of the backs at once. Yeah. And yeah. every flashback that we've witnessed throughout the movie is then replayed in full because otherwise this movie would only be 70 minutes long <laughs> and thus not avail not not uh, eligible for academy consideration. <laughs> uh, and so he has his flashbacks and basically we see that you know, he had a life. He gave up the slinger lifestyle. He put his knives in a box. He cut his hair. He cuts his long hair, uh, makes love to this beautiful woman, and then as f- the pirates watch the whole thing, apparently they are not impressed with his sex game because they are immediately tied up by barbed wire and thrown down a well. Thrown down a well. Well, they're, they're, they're held on, like, a pulley system over the well, a and then wire. the barbed wire is, like, holding them, and it's pr- it's, a, it's pretty fucked up. But they give the string of barbed wire to the sister. To Haley, yeah. yeah. The girl's name is Haley, yeah. And they say it's up to you if they live or die. It depends on if you can hold on. So she has to hold on to the barbed wire as it's slipping through her grasp Bring as hard it, as she yeah, can. Shredding That's her That's cutting her very deeply. Yeah. But it kind of, the whole threat falls apart when they are very slowly lowered into the well. It doesn't seem to have any <laughs> well, by immediate about danger. four feet? Yeah. After a while, the barbed wire just kind of goes... That's it. Yeah. And it cuts to the bottom of the well where everybody but Van Damme is dead, and it is incredibly unclear as to what killed them. He fell on them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that's the anger that he has towards Fender, is he knows deep down that it was really his fault the whole time. (laughs) So anyways, uh, being faced with these flashbacks uh, on the cross, much like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ... Gibson Rickenbacker begins to kick and kick and kick until and he kick. kicks the cross down. He kicks the shit out of that cross, just like Jesus just Christ like did Jesus. Uh, on that hill in Golgotha. Good work. Yeah, thank you. Sure, yeah. that's the hill you're looking for. I'm. Smart. Now the entire cross fixture uh, hilariously falls out of frame. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then while he's on the ground, still in pain, with arrows impaled through his wrists, but no longer suspended, he sees a dark, ominous figure with a knife. It's Nady, and she cuts him loose. Hooray! Cut to fucking Atlanta, and all of a sudden he's fine. Yeah, he's, he's fucking got a, fine. He's got a couple holes in his wrist, but he just is like, whatever, I'm good. Yeah. Just flexes a little bit, and then his body heals itself with the power of hubris <laughs> and cocaine. And he gets a bitchin' compound bow. Yes! Yeah, that he uses exactly one. Yeah, he shoots an arrow at Fender's feet. To threaten him and let him know that he's still alive. And then he promptly puts that bow down. It's the most impotent arrow shot I've yeah, ever seen. Because it literally kind of comes in and just goes... Maybe that's why he didn't shoot it anymore. He's like, oh, I built this bow, but it sucks. Yeah. It's like the droopy of bow and arrows. Yeah. <laughs> Going down. <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, now it is time for the final showdown. So, first things first, Gibson Rickenbacker begins just fucking goons up. And he's fucking goons up left and right. Oh, yeah. He's breaking necks. He's kicking guys, punching guys. He there kicks is, one guy. He kicks one goon. <laughs> literally a thousand times. We counted, it was 14 times. In the same rib. Yeah. He just keeps kicking him in the rib. Kick, 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 oh. kick. It reminds me of that Simpsons line, stop, he's already dead. <laughs> right. Oh, it reminds me of that Simpsons thing where he keeps stepping on the rake over and over again. <laughs> or that scene in Goodfellas where Ray Liotta just hits the guy with that fucking revolver eight times in the face. <laughs> uh, but that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is just the same shot of the same kick repeated 14 times. It's like kicks into that dude into fire, then he gets out of the fire and he gets kicked again. Yeah, into a car that promptly explodes. Yeah! Because as we all know, goons in the future will be made out of nitroglycerin. Yeah. And the slightest contact will explode them. Definitely. Nady, meanwhile, uh, deals with another lady goon. They have a nice little fight while she tries to get the cyborg out of there and get her safe to the compound in Atlanta. And now, finally, it is time. Gibson, Fender, the final confrontation... Uh, it begins pouring rain. In, yes. In classic villain form, Fender takes off all of his armor and protective clothing because this has to be done man to man. Right. Nipple and to nipple. No more jingle jangle. Yeah. 
And the fight, it doesn't start off well for Gibson. He just kind of gets punched a lot. And this is where the dialogue in the movie really kind of elevates itself to show what's happening. Because instead of just incoherent, now these are very deep and thoughtful. And it really kind of shines, I think. I think this is yeah, what the screenplay no, really takes definitely. off. I mean, they, they did a lot of workshopping of this script. I know they did a few live readings where they really took a lot of audience feedback into, uh, you know, they incorporated that. Yeah. They, they left their egos at the door when they wrote this, <laughs> and they really surrendered themselves to the good of the project. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, at the table, Reed Van Dam had a lot of really good insight into yeah. his character. Sure. Uh, a lot of directors would kind of <laughs> shut that down right away, but not... Whoever directed this movie. <laughs> I guess it was what? Coppola? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely has his uh, his looks like those, some of the same stuff that he used in Apocalypse Now. Sure. The use of like darkness and It has rain. His, uh, the, his signature apathy that shows up in films like Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so this fight goes on for an unreasonable amount of time until finally... Uh, Nady comes out of, or no, Van Damme gets yeah. thrown into a car at some point, and then fucking Fender is just slamming a car door into his face. Then he goes after the cyborg to stab her. No, he goes after Haley because Haley's like, "Stop, stop!" And he grabs Haley. Well, here's the like, thing the that fuck? doesn't make any sense is that uh, Fender sees the necklace that Haley is waiting. The necklace that Gibson recognized to yeah. realize that oh, that's the little sister of the woman I fell in love with. Fender knows who that is because they made her hold on to that barbed wire and then presumably kidnapped her. Right, presumably. he seems to be having a flashback where he puts (laughs) the pieces together. There's a shot of her necklace, a shot of recognition in Fender's eyes of like, oh, you're that girl that I've known her entire life, I guess. Do you think that's it? Or do you think he like has that look of recognition because he's like, Oh, man, you remember that day we watched those two people have sex? That was great. <laughs> I don't know, but he, he turns into, like, I, I. we have to look up the actor that played Fender, because I swear to God he played an Urukai in the Lord of the Rings movies. I think you're right, actually. Like, he's got the posture and the dreadlocks. He's close enough, in any case. But he looks at Haley, and, and then Nady comes out, or he, so he's about to stab Haley, and Nady comes out, and he kills Nady. Well, first he tries to kiss Haley on yeah, the lips. Yeah, And she does that, like, awkward high school quick turn, so that he ends right. up making cheek contact and instead. That's infuriating. And that enraged. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face to, facts. Wait, to you uh, or to, to, to Fender? To Fender, obviously. Right. Okay. Obviously. <laughs> well, because Fender doesn't really understand how to deal with these new feelings he's having. Yeah. It's an awkward time in the best of circumstances, and the embarrassment that he feels for having misread the situation in the first place is just really playing into his inferiority complex that he kind of already has going. Which he definitely has, yeah. So he tries to stab her. Nady jumps out and tries to stab him. He stabs Nady. Van Damme kicks him through the window of a car, gets out, and then begins punching him, and finally gets him... uh, Gets his knife. Yeah. Gets his knife and stabs him right in the gut. Yeah, stabs him like right into like the chest, like the center of the back. Right in the solar plexus. No, no, no. Yes. He's, he's bleeding out of his chest because the knife has penetrated that far. No, no, but no. The knife is stuck in his back because, spoiler alert, when he revives after we think he's dead, he reaches behind him. Oh, and pulls right. The knife pulls out. out the knife. That's right. So he gets stabbed first in the arm to block. Like Van Damme blocks a punch by stabbing him through his elbow, pulls it out, stabs him in his back. He dies, falls in the water. Day saved. They go into a shed. Fuck that. Fender's still alive. He then they gets have... up with a rousing... <laughs> and Van Damme uh, retorts with a... <laughs> and then they have a... Fight. Uh, and they fight some more for, again, uh, just so long. <laughs> yeah. Just so long. Um, and this is where, finally, Van Damme's uh, spinning kicks, which have, until this time, proven ineffective against Fender, now proved to be effective to the point that he's kicked so hard, he's kicked onto a meat hook, yeah, which yeah. finally kills him. 
Yeah, because they like any good boss fight, the first one is just to lower his buffs, and then the second one is to actually do damage to the boss proper. Right. See, but usually when they come back for that second attack, they change form. So, like, the first time, they're like a big fucking tank, yeah. and then you blow him up, and then the next time he comes back, he's like... A motorcycle okay. or something like that. So here's how it breaks down. The first fight that they have in that abandoned warehouse, he's Cypher Sephiroth. The <laughs> second fight, he's evolved into his one-wing angel form. The third one, your limit meter fills up, he's shirtless Sephiroth, and you just use Omni Slash. Yeah. Got Unless it. you whiff your Omni Slash, in which case you anticlimactically just do one regular attack... And since Sephiroth only has one hit point, because it's really more of a cutscene than a fight at that point, you uh, get the scene where he explodes. Well, thanks, John. Yep. <laughs> John's all over the Final Fantasy today. Yeah, I really am. I was watching a it. fucking speedrun of Final Fantasy VII for awesome games so quick. <laughs> So he. Do you guys know when they land at the port in Junon, uh, one of the helicopter pilots just goes flying off screen for no reason? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know that when Sephiroth in the flashback is doing research in the abandoned Shinra mansion of Nibelheim, the medium row of the bookshelves, the books are stacked to look like the Roman numeral seven? (laughs) No! Did wow. you guys know that in Shinra Tower, before you leave Midgar, if you place the first part of the Shinra model in the upper right-hand west corner, all of the other chests unlock so you don't have to do the clockwise uh, opening route? Oh, oh, interesting. Did you know that a lot of those things sound like they're stolen from Norse mythology? <laughs> I, I didn't know that. This changes everything. Guys, I'm going to go join the uh, Church of the Asgardian Gods. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, the Korean Church of the Asgardian Gods. Thank you, Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I guess. Um, I, not really. More like non-sequitur alert. Really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyways, they've defeated the bad guy. They make their way through... Uh, Atlanta, what's left of Atlanta, which is uh, a hallway and a closet, apparently. Yeah. yeah, they have as much as a denouement as this movie cares to give. Which is just, Cyborg walks up to old man. Thank God you're back. Me too. Maybe that man is the cure for humanity. <laughs> no, no, no. No, what happens is like, I wouldn't have made it without that man. Except you left him behind. You totally would have made yeah. it without that man. Yeah. He begins to walk away. And then she says, you know, sometimes I think the real cure is him. <laughs> and I Cut expect- to him at the bottom of the stairs, glaring up at them for just like 30 seconds of nothing. And then going... Alright, I'm gonna walk away now. And then just walks off. And then it's over. And then the door just, a door actually closes. A wooden door. If DeLorean made a wooden door for (laughs) the house. Yeah, Yeah, it's got a bend joint right at the middle. Uh, No, there's not nearly enough cocaine on it. Yeah. That's for it fair. to be a DeLorean door. door. You don't see the other side of that door. You <laughs> Valid know. point. Solid cocaine on yeah. the inside of that door. <laughs> the door is a brick of cocaine. Uh, the door closes. Hold on door. Hold on door. Hold door. Hold door. Hold door. Hold door. No, no. Well done. Credits. <laughs> <laughs> And that is the end of Cyborg. Thank fucking Christ. Christ. Yeah. Uh, and that oh. leads us to bullet points. <laughs> bullet points! And we are back with our very first bullet point. <laughs> Body count! <laughs> body counts. Patrick, what do you think the body count is? Fifteen! John, body count. Seven. No. Well, I guess going by Price is Right rules, Patrick, you win. Woo! The body count is 40. <laughs> that can't be right. To be fair, this is like, again, there are an endless amount of goons that show up in this movie. Most of them are just thrown from roofs. Yeah, a lot of guys get shot. Yeah, so, and not one Wilhelm scream in this movie, so... That's an Couldn't automatic. Afford it. <laughs> Not one railing death. And there was that whole set that was constructed almost entirely of railings. Yeah. Spider-Man set, by the way. Nice. Uh, anyways, uh, that takes care of that. Moving on to our next bullet point. Best kill. Wow! <laughs> Best kill. 
Patrick, best kill. Uh, you know, I'm going to take, as you eloquently described, the splits over top hanging stab down death. Of that one Is that guy. like a breakfast at Denny's? Right? <laughs> splits over top? Yeah, it's the, it's that, that's the, uh, the plated version of the moons over Miami. Yeah. It's a deconstructed moons over Miami. <laughs> they put the it French is, toast on top of the Yeah, with, yeah. with a bacon coulis. And Ooh, it's served on top coulis. of a pillowcase of spiced air. <laughs> It's also like one of the few times this movie where like maybe the director of photography was actually kind of sober that day and like Jean-Claude is blue lit and the other guy is completely black lit. It's definitely the best shot of the movie yeah. because they yeah, they definitely gave a shit that day. That must have been that must have been the day they either just got new coke <laughs> like new cocaine yeah. like they'd been out for a week and were like all jonesing and everything and then all of a sudden they were like, "Oh, finally we can calm down a little bit." With this coke. Yeah. <laughs> you guys don't use cocaine to calm down? <laughs> I do this to feel normal. <laughs> John, best kill. Uh, Fender part two. Uh, the first Fender fight is really one-sided in favor of Fender. The second Fender fight is also just kind of the same move, repeated ad nauseum. The third Fender fight ends the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And and thus is your favorite? Oh, yeah. That's the one. (laughs) You have no idea what it did to the running remaining time of that movie. Oh, my God. I was so pleased. (laughs) When he was finally I was so enraged when he came back to life. (laughs) And so happy when he finally died at peace. <laughs> his last thoughts, obviously, of that time, he watched those people banging. No, yeah. his last thought was, Ugh! <laughs> As were all of his previous thoughts. <laughs> uh, Mark, best kill. Uh, you guys took the two good kills. <laughs> um, so I'm going to have to go... Uh, I'm going to have to go with, with the uh, well kill... Uh, just because of how absolutely brutal it is, because they tie this family up. It's a lady, her her small, her young son, and Van Dam tied up with barbed wire. Barbed wire is draped over well. Then this small, like thirteen year old girl has to hold up their weight with barbed wire, and it just like slips through her hand. There's blood. It's one of the few good like. Again, pieces of imagery that the movie was able to conjure. It, it does lose some points because they only fall about four feet into the well. And the well turns from a like small circular well to a very large oblong well when he needs to climb out of it. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, and yeah, so I, must, I credit those kills, by the way. I credit the kill uh, to Van Damme's character because, again, I contend that he fell on them and that's how they died. Fair enough, fair enough. And I think that there was a rancor down in that well. <laughs> and Van Damme heroically put a chicken bone in its mouth and climbed to freedom. <laughs> and then that poor fat guy had to run in and just go, my rancor! Because he had one job. <laughs> rancor wrangling. You know what the job market is like for rancor wrangling? Yeah. When Jabba's palace explodes, that's pretty much it. Yeah, where else? That's like Ford pulling out of Flint. It's done. That was GM. John, are you telling (laughs) me that there's not a rancor pit under Jeff Sessions' office right now? Because I bet you there is. Sure, but Rex Tillerson's already called dibs on being (laughs) a fat shirtless guy. And that takes us to our next bullet point. Now, we can't really do war crimes as uh, not only does it take place in a world post-war, but it takes place in a world where nothing happens. Uh, We're going to go with best weapon. (laughs) Best weapon. John, best weapon. Knives. Just the concept <laughs> of knives. The old blade in hand. Boy, howdy. You, you get to... some metal, you sharpen it up, you put it on some carbon fiber, and you are good to go, my friend. Your kukris, your, your machetes, just, your uh, knives, your regular knives. Your shivs, your shanks. All of them. Just make sure to keep it sharp. Yeah. As we all know, a sharp knife is a happy knife. And put a holster on that sucker somewhere on your body. Yeah. And make Preferably sure... Somewhere Preferably. 
without, without your leg. Knife. Yeah, yeah, make sure to don't do what Donnie don't does when it comes to knives. Also, I remember in the credits there are like eight knife companies. <laughs> yeah, yeah there are. they're credited with providing we need knives. a lot of knives for this movie. There are four hundred knives outnumber people who were in the movie and who worked on the movie. <laughs> Thousands of knives were given jobs for this film. So many jobs were created for knives. For knives. <laughs> Patrick. Best weapon. I like. There's a, sw- a sweet little battle in the uh, swamps of North Carolina, whereupon uh, Jean Claude Van Damme is fighting a guy with a staff. And after several minutes of fighting with a staff, our staff wielding goon reveals that this staff contains a switchblade at the end. <laughs> yeah, there's a knife in that staff. Yeah, which he decides to turn his staff into a spear just at the end there, <laughs> just in case things got serious. And that was awesome. Yeah, it's he like, still uh, dies like a bitch, and that spear <laughs> staff thing kills nobody. But I liked it. Well, that, it was like he had an umbrella, but it was a spear. <laughs> so he's like the penguin, is what you're saying? Yeah, but it doesn't shoot. <laughs> well, because he pulls out that that uh, you know knife hidden in his staff, much like in that uh, alligator whack-a-mole, where all of it comes back in. And now I'm angry. Yeah, he's mad, so his knife popped out. Yep. Mad or aroused? I mean, are they that different? In a Van Damme movie? Oh, okay. I was about to say, I... It, In ooh, a Van Damme okay. movie. Okay, yeah. otherwise I was going to say we learned an awful lot about Patrick right now. No. <laughs> that qualifier was coming. <laughs> so we've got hangry and mad roused. <laughs> That, that's the name of my autobiography, by the way. Hangry and Mad Rouse. <laughs> <laughs> the Mark Rosenthal story. Uh, uh, Mark, best, Mark, best weapon. Uh, I'm going to go with a little bit of a dark horse candidate. My best weapon is the sword that Jean-Claude Van Damme has. Now, you might be asking yourself, but Mark, you guys didn't mention a sword being used in this movie. That's because it wasn't. It's merely a decorative piece on his back. He literally has carrying a sword for the entire movie. It's never used. Yeah. He's got 400 knives he's thrown into guys, but a sword? In the land of knives, the sword wielder's a loser. Hey, man. Who wants a bigger knife? Not me, said everybody. Despite the fact that he gets beaten to a pulp and crucified, at no point in this movie is Jean-Claude Van Damme in so much danger he needs to go Sanjuro on somebody's ass. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So that uh, takes us to uh, our next bullet point. Uh, and much like this film had absolutely nothing going for it and no real context for anything, here's a little bit of an out-of-context bullet point for you. It's the return of favorite mall restaurant! Ah! Ah! Favorite mall restaurant! Zombies sponsored this episode, <laughs> by the way. We are raking it in every time. We do that. I need brains yell. <laughs> John, favorite mall restaurant. Uh, did I say Panda Express last time? That's no. That's a real good one. What's great about Panda Express is if you tell them that you've never tried a dish, they will give you a portion of it for free. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. I did love going to those places and being like, what's a fried chicken? <laughs> and they'd be like, here, strange man, here's a toothpick. Crab Rangoon? Yeah. No, this I simply must try. <laughs> can I tell you, when I was a kid, I used to go to Baskin Robbins, like, at least once a week, and be like, hey, can I try that? Mark, hey, that's, try a, that's that? a great story, but that's outside the purview of this conversation. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask true. you to keep it focused. Yeah. Valid point, Stay I'm on. so sorry. Like John. the movie Cyborg. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, that Baskin Robbins wasn't a mall food court, but never mind. <laughs> Moving on, Patrick, favorite mall restaurants. Well, if I didn't have enough money for the great steak and potato company and the line at the Chick-fil-A was too long, I'd settle for A&W. Oh, yeah! Fucking corn dog bites and a root beer. That's what I am mm. talking about. Sometimes mm. I would splurge and get the cream soda. Yeah. Mm. Pretty tasty. I love corn dog bites. Oh, yeah. I wish more restaurants had corn dog bites, especially because A&Ws are now so rare. Right. Yeah. And especially since, like, uh, hipster food in the gastro pubs is just shit like that anyway. Yeah. When are we going to get some fancy chef to reinvent the corn dog, tiny corn dog? Yeah. Like a little piece of sausage. Do you, yeah, do you hear me, Tom Colicchio? Or Eric Repair? Or 
some other chef person, Stephanie Izzard. Who are these people? These are celebrity chef people. I don't see any of them on Food Network. They're they're all on food shows. Eric Repair has been on. Uh, he's on Bourdain a lot. He's been on Top Chef a lot. Stephanie Izzard won Top Chef. He has two restaurants in Chicago. Three restaurants in Chicago. Patrick, what's wrong? None with you? of these shows are called Iron Chef America. Well, fine then. Yeah. We'll, you want Iron yeah. Chefs? You want Iron yeah. Chefs? Fine. How about, about Iron Chefs? How about fucking Morimoto? Fucking Morimoto. How about uh, Love Sakai? Yes, yeah, Sakai. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Mario Batali was one. Your Cat Coras? Uh, yeah, we get your Cat Coras, your uh, fucking Bobby Flays, although he's That sucks. guy's such an asshole. Yeah, he's a real piece <laughs> of garbage. Uh, now, you gotta be pretty shitty if you're making Tex Mex and you're like, man, I'd way rather hang out with Rick Bayless. <laughs> Rick Bayless is awesome. Yeah, and Rick Bayless's Mexico One Plate at a Time is a delightful television program. That's true. Hey guys, you know that Rick Bayless is the brother of shitty TV sports person Skip Bayless? What? They're no actually way. brothers. No way. Yeah. No. And it's so weird to think that. Get Rick, out. Rick Bayless is like the nicest, gentlest. Warmest man in the world, and Skip Bayless is a goblin come to life <laughs> who just screams about sports and how much he loves Tim Tebow. Oh, oh. oh I know it blew my mind oh. when I found that out. I bet they don't get along. Uh. Do you guys, does it bother you that in the movie Gremlins they're actually called Mogwai? <laughs> no, I bet actually. Like, why don't you just call them Gremlins? I mean, to be fair, Mr. Futterman refers to them as Gremlins. Sure, but their proper name is Mogwai. Why not call the movie Mogwai? Right. Something doesn't add up here. Mark, favorite mall restaurant. All right, yeah, I think, I think we just got uh, to an appropriate podcast length. Great, perfect. Mark, your favorite uh, mall restaurant. Uh, there was a place in Spring Hill Mall. Again, this is probably a place that does not exist anywhere else. It is called Boardwalk Fries. And oh, uh, shit, yeah. yeah Boardwalk, Boardwalk Fries. Oh, okay, fries. cool. Yeah. Boardwalk Fries is the jam. They made, like, hand-cut french fries. Uh, they had, like, fresh lemonade. They had... The dopest fucking chicken wings on the planet, mm. and they came swimming in buffalo sauce. Ooh. Oh, so much! Were buffalo they still sauce. crunchy though? Were they still crunchy? So crunchy. Oh. They were so crunchy, and they came swimming in buffalo sauce. So you get a side of fries, <laughs> and you just dip those fries in that fucking buffalo sauce. It was buffalo all day long, but not in Buffalo, in West Dundee, <laughs> Illinois. Guys, boop, I'm just boop, boop, about boop. That. all I can say is. Ah! All I can say is, yeah, they also had some pretty good Cajun fries. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. And that takes us to our final bullet point of this podcast. Is this an action movie? Gosh, don't spoil it, guys. <laughs> is this an action movie? John, is this an action movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sounded like you were trying to avoid confrontation like that. <laughs> I just... I I didn't want to provoke this movie. <laughs> Not in the way that I was like afraid of my safety, but in the way of you're like, look, I could say this, but this is gonna make my friend go on a rant for like ten minutes about how Star Trek Three is actually the best one, <laughs> and hey, I just don't hey, have the energy. Actually, it is. <laughs> All right, let's... Let's not get carried away, Patrick. Uh, yeah, whatever. I think you're a little Stockholm syndrome from this movie where you've forgotten what a good <laughs> movie looks <laughs> like now. No idea anymore. Well, John, was it you the one who called this the Hanukkah of movies? <laughs> yes, they shot enough for 20 minutes of movie, but lo, the miracle, it lasted for 82. <laughs> Patrick, is this an action movie? Oh, God, no. I don't think so. It's all of the worst things about Memento and just a bunch of kicking. <laughs> Well, it wasn't all the worst things about Memento. Joey Pants isn't in this movie. <laughs> I suppose Memento had other terrible things. <laughs> Guys, this movie I, replaced those things with kicking. Yeah, I think I'm going to call it. I think this has been the worst movie we've watched for no. this podcast. Oh, no, 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 no way. John, don't, don't forget, because I would watch this again three times before I watched Green Lantern. Yeah, I'd watch yes, this before yeah. I'd watch Green Lantern, and I'd watch this before I'd watch Van Helsing again, Also too. true about Van Helsing. Oh, yeah, Van Helsing was not only intolerable, but it was long. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it lasted forever, and it was awful. Like, I would say, technically, the the, the worst movie was probably uh, Cowboys vs. Dinosaurs on a purely technical level, but I'd watch that movie again before I'd watch this hunk of shit. Oh, yeah. God, I would gladly rewatch Cowboys vs. Dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah, we get some Rip Tillis action it in this place. great. The Rip Tillis. You're right, I'm sorry. The Rip Tillis. Uh, 
Mark, is this an action movie? I am actually going to disagree with you guys and say yes, it is. It's not a good action movie. <laughs> it's barely a good movie. It's barely a movie. Um, but I will say it is an action movie. It has all the familiar tropes of action movie. Uh, there's lots of chase scenes, kicking, punching, so many knives, uh, some gunplay. So yeah, I will say it's an action movie. Uh, just a very poor action movie. Uh, big black mark on the Van Damme filmography, which, as we know, is pretty spotless. So the, besides this, <laughs> pretty uh, spotless, and, uh, and Street Fighter. Uh, other than that, he's made nothing but classics. Let's just face facts. You guys ever seen The Quest? It's just <laughs> blood sport, but a hundred years before. It's fantastic. We'll get there. Anyways, uh, final reviews for Cyborg. John. Ah! Patrick. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> well, that does it for this week's episode of Body Counts and Beer. <laughs> they really I'm... do groan that much. <laughs> I'm Mark Rosenthal. I'm Patrick Bromley. I am John the Knife Rooney. And we'll see you next time. Body Counts and Beer is Patrick Dollman Bromley, John Nemesis Rooney, and Mark Brain Smasher, a love story Rosenthal. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, pretty much anywhere fine podcasts are pervade. Make sure you leave a rating and or a review, preferably both. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at BodyCountCast, or email us at BodyCountsAndBeer at gmail.com. Alright guys, let's reenact our favorite scene from the movie. Ah! Oh! <laughs> <laughs>